everyone. Welcome to episode 69 of Vague Zone. I'm Thomas. And I'm Daniel. And today we are continuing our coverage of the Evangelion Rebuild series, uh, Evangelion Rebuild franchise with Evangelion 2.0, You Cannot Advance. So Daniel, would you like to read us the IMDb synopsis for You Cannot Advance? Sure. Under constant attack by angels, Nerf introduces two new pilots, the mysterious Makanami Mari Illustrious... Illustrious? Yes, <laughs> and the intense yes. Asuka Langley Shikinami. Parallel to the incursion, Gendo Ikari and Seal proceed the secret project that involves both Rei and Shinji. Is it pronounced Seal? I think it's pronounced Seal, but I heard someone pronounce it Sele or something like that. Huh. Yeah, <laughs> I've heard, like, yeah, Seal is Seal, but I've heard uh, Nerve also pronounces Nerve. Nerve? Yeah. I've also right. heard that before too. I'm I'm a little confused on exactly how to pronounce it, but uh, yeah, uh, yeah, good good synopsis of this movie. Um, I, I, I don't know. Is it on me? Or are you? <laughs> Who's, who should we pop it to for this? Uh, I'll I'll go. Um, yeah. So initial thoughts on Evangelion 2.0. Um, <laughs> I like that. Okay, so when this movie starts off, we immediately are starting with Mari, this new Ava pilot. Um, she's wearing a helmet. And she's like kind of completely covered, and we don't really know who we're looking at. Initially, I thought it was going to be Asuka because I'm familiar with the show. I know Asuka's in this. So it was kind of a surprise to see that it's this new character. And to me, it signals like, okay, we're going. We're going in a completely different direction. Like new stuff is going to happen. The first movie was a lot of what we'd seen with the series. Now we're going in a new direction. Yeah. Um, So initially, I was pretty excited about that. And I like a lot of what happens here but i feel like the movie one with this character i really don't like this character i think that i think the writing for this character is really poor yeah Um, yeah and i think uh the sort of climax of this movie is kind of a mixed bag because this character plays a significant role in it um and yeah it's I don't know. I have mixed feelings about the ending, but I think we can get to that. Uh, it, it's incredibly ambitious, and I appreciate the ambition. I appreciate like how fucking heightened this movie gets. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I just don't care for the new character, really. Um, yeah, what did you think? Yeah, I'm not a big fan of the new character, and it, this movie is also a little bit uh, hard for me because I'm a big fan of Asuka, and I'm like, I really, really adore how her introduction to the TV show really, like, shifts the tone of the TV mm-hmm. show pretty substantially. Like, it's pretty, like, morbid and kind of sad. Shinji's, like, really morose and just, like, yeah. not into super it. super angsty. Yeah, Asuka <laughs> shows up, and she's, like, this German character. She's, like, a really great, like, uh, contrast to just what Shinji is. And it's just, like, it just brings so much... She brings so much life into the show that, like... That's why I mentioned the episode, a mind-matching moment, because it's such a great episode for both of those characters but it's also just a really fantastically just done episode of evangelion and so i'm a little bummed that we a lot of asuka's story sort of gets gutted uh sort of we get like a a sort of pretty much a a summary of just what her relationship to shinji is and so i'm not crazy that we lose a lot of stuff but i think there's a really sweet movie here like a really like uh like it's a more quieter uh, uh, Evangelion movie compared to 1.0. 1.0 sort of, I think it has like four or five angel sequels. Like at least I think like three yeah, or four. Yeah, it's got a lot of angel stuff. Yeah. Here we get two, and it's they're sort of spread out. Like the cold open has the uh, her character sort of doing this like really flashy fight, like in this like uh, subway 
kind of tunnel and then they sort of go like onto this tower and the fight ends like pretty quickly but Mm -hmm. then the rest of the movie is more just like hanging out and kind of getting a feel of what these characters are like just being these pilots outside of the battlefield and what it's like sort of the relationships developing and and i like that we get like these really beautiful sequences of just tokyo 3 waking up and just everyone sort of going to work and going to school it's like it's just really gorgeous moments like that that sort of make this movie operate on kind of a different level where it's not just going balls to the wall just the entire time but then yeah it does sort of uh deviate from the main evangelion story pretty substantially towards the end so then yeah then it's kind of like okay i don't know kind of how to <laughs> really take it towards the end when the new guys sort of ship that's not, uh, not spoiler oh, yeah spoil the territory uh, i mean <laughs> if if you finish the first movie you know that this character is going to be in the second movie so. correct yeah, but his uh, his arrival is kind of precarious to where uh, they're sort of setting up this situation where it seems hopeless, and then he arrives and basically just <laughs> solves the problem instantly. Um, yeah, and it's a post credit scene too, yeah, right? Yeah, which is like I don't know, I don't know how I feel about such a major plot development occurring in a post credit scene yeah um it would be like like i joked to my friend like yeah it was weird that in spider-man no way home uh they killed peter parker in the post credit scene <laughs> like yeah yeah like you can't have such a major development like that um yeah it seems a little odd it seems a little like lopsided where yeah there's a lot of this movie where it's not not a lot of action happening and so unless you're really interested in sort of these character dynamics we get introduced to this new guy uh ryoji kaji who's kind of like he's uh, a former colleague of misato and the other um uh lab technician character so there's kind of like a little love triangle kind of developing so this is more of like of a personal movie a smaller movie in comparison to just shinji get inside the fucking a- get inside the ava and fight like we yeah. get more smaller moments and so i i do appreciate that but it is a little bit of a mess if you're kind of just looking at just the general plot and just the progression there's a lot of stuff that happens um one thing that a major aspect of this movie is the really intense battle scene towards the end where a character sort of endures a pretty gruesome fate and yeah. so that scene is like really heavy and like <laughs> like there's a lot of gravity to that i was gonna ask what you thought about that um i thought that was gonna be so so we're just gonna I, i'm just gonna spoil that part yes <laughs> um shinji it it seems that Shinji has killed well, his Eva gets taken over by like the dummy or whatever, yeah. uh, and his Eva. Ki- it seems that his Eva has killed Asuka. <laughs> that like he puts the the pod in his mouth and bites down on it, and we see you know liquid leaking from it and all that. Yeah, just um, blood, just spraying. Yeah, spraying. Um, and we fade to black, and I thought that was going to be the end of the movie. <laughs> I was like, what a fucking way to end this movie. Yeah. Uh, and then I pulled up the timeline, and it's like, oh, no, there's, like, another 35 minutes. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I I, <laughs> I kind of loved that development. I remember in the show, there's a moment, and this kind of happens in the first movie, too, where the Eva kind of, Shinji's Eva kind of, like, has a mind of its own. It's It becomes clear that this is, like, an organic uh, entity uh and he is not in complete control of it um and so seeing that kind of happen here it it like kind of happens here but then it's like there's a dummy unit in it um it's more just that like uh control has been taken from him um but yeah i really like the development and i I was really curious to see like where things would go with that would they clarify that asuka was alive uh anytime soon It, 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 it it's a good way of like closing out a second act 
making everything a bit worse. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, <laughs> yeah, in the end of Evangelion movie, there's basically the first half of that movie is that sort of focuses on uh, Asuka fighting ten angel units that sort of arrive on Earth, and there's like there's a really great sequence that they sort of cut back and forth to while Nervous being infiltrated by soldiers or some mm-hmm. shit, but like they that happens towards the end of that and. I'm a little fuzzy on the details, but it's like a the, this the ending is sort of similar. But here, I think it's so much more impactful because there's like this little like there's the hesitancy. The Shinji is like, okay, he's not sure if he wants to fight, and then he finally agrees to it, and then he doesn't agree to Gendo's order to kill the eight to, to kill the Ava, and he's like, no, Asuka's in there, and then he's like, okay, well, if you're not going to agree to do this, we're just going to put the dummy system, yeah. the dummy system, like lashes over him inside of the pilot thing, and just takes over while he's in there. That's kind of all of it. Yeah, it's kind of wild that like his hands are locked in because it feels like yeah. he's being. It's almost like he's being forced to like strangle yeah. someone or something. Yeah, way heavier because yeah, and the end of Evangelion yeah she's like putting on this really epic fight to like fight off all these angels and like eventually like you know by the time she's like the last one it's like she they kind of get the best of her but here it's like it's similar to the berserk scene from the first one where it's like we're just seeing the sheer power of an angel yeah. just like completely obliterate a character we're supposed to care about and then yeah we uh, combine that which is Shinji screaming it's just like the mm-hmm. performance is just so fucking good and it's just it's just it's so well done that it's just like this gruesome really heavy event that we're all sort of like being voyeurs to yeah it's really cool the way that the series and these movies like show you that this is a fucking torturous experience like they're there's nothing fun about piloting these things Uh, they're just screaming the whole time uh you're seeing like if if something gets its arm cut off you're seeing like indentation on its on shinji's arm of like where he's being grabbed when he's being choked, you're saying it looks like he's yeah. being choked. And, yeah, it's like, yeah, it's yeah. like marks on his actual throat. It's so cool. <laughs> yeah, this shit is super intense. Yeah, I, I just love those like details of yeah getting inside the 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 eva is just like this massive psychedelic like body spiritual kind of experience where it's just like all these colors are going crazy. You're inside this pod, and yeah, just seeing yeah seeing the pod sort of get taken out of the eva and then crushed is just like a really specific like thing. Because we're like fuck, yeah, it's like scary shit um admittedly i was watching this like i got a projector for christmas i was watching this on the projector and i was just blown away by just the visuals of this a lot of the time it's just yeah hideko ano is just really fucking great just packing all of these movies with just a lot of dense visual details and just having this on the entire wall of my bedroom was just like incredible yeah um so yeah it's after he is kind of forced to harm asuka not kill asuka that he decides he's no longer gonna pilot um and that's when he abandons things um yeah i think his characterization in this movie he's way more of a hero than in the series although him like him rejecting uh the eva rejecting being a pilot like we we give him causation for that um we give him justification for it it's not just that like he's some angsty teenager um no he doesn't want to he he was forced to basically kill someone he cares about <laughs> uh and he's uh, he's pretty sore about that understandably yeah and even going a little bit further there's like this whole love triangle thing with shinji ray and asuka where shinji like is like he kind of crushing on ray but there's like a hesitancy there because she's mysterious and quiet and sort of she has this weird relationship with gendo that we haven't even like sort of gotten mm-hmm. into where there's like a whole that thing some unpacking yeah <laughs> yeah and so like ray is kind of like 
standoffish a little bit but asuka is like she bridges that gap way faster because she like there's this whole sequence where she can't sleep and then she sneaks she goes into climbs into bed with him and he's just kind of like just curled up and she's just like well i'm gonna get into bed with you because i'm asserting myself in this situation and it sort of is implied that there is some like a bond there it, it might not be completely 50 50 but there is like a, a connection there because she's sort of reaching over the aisle a little bit more so than ray is and so like i don't know he must have just been like there clearly is a connection there that's why he's like so devastated that he has to fucking kill her yeah you said that like asuka's sort of like story was kind of cut for this one or like you know changed significantly i think they do a pretty good job of like characterizing her though where it's just like she comes in she thinks she's the fucking best everyone else is fucking standing in her way she like does she like kick shinji in the shins or some shit like that she like sweeps the leg they do they do yeah she sweeps the leg and then there's like this whole gag of like she moves in with misato and shinji all of her stuff is everywhere like they do the the can gag again (laughs) kicks which i don't remember that happening in the show the can gag with asuka i remember it with shinji Mm. that's one that's something to talk about in this is like the sexualization but getting back to asuka is like um it feels like they do get a job of like establishing like she thinks she's the fucking best she and she has like put up this wall around her where she doesn't want to be vulnerable to anybody but she still needs people um yeah. and i think that's something i'm expecting that that's something that will be developed and explored more in the next couple of movies but yeah. um because like we have her coming to terms with that and like admitting that to misato like she's like saying like i don't need anybody i don't really like anybody but we know that she needs people she can't do it she pouting about like not being able to do anything on her own you know yeah yeah. Um, yeah but this movie definitely has like a noticeable amount of like butt shots yeah it's like, it's like, and okay. it's ridiculous like <laughs> yeah. i feels like that's part of the reason this new character was introduced it's like it, like one i appreciate that it's like signaling hey we're going in a new direction but what you're doing with that character <laughs> isn't really fun yeah, so uh, she's just very concerned with how her boobs fit inside of her suit. Yeah, <laughs> and like... she, like, lands on Shinji on a parachute, and then we just get, like, a shot of her bent over. These are, like, 14-year-old kids. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Not okay. Yeah, so, and then, well, mention the whole Gendo Ray thing. There's this scene where, well, there's a, a moment where uh, Ray sort of articulates, she's like, she can't, like, exist sort of in this world, or she, like, it, I'm butchering the line, but she's like, I can't sort of exist in here like i can't really exist in this like sort of shinji world i have to kind of be in my own sort of thing and that version is like her being inside of this like tank like this like uh sort of like tank (laughs) inside of this area with gendo and then she's like having dinner with him Mm -hmm. and uh she closely resembles uh, shinji's mom and so there's kind of like a a a thing there and it's like it's like romantic ayanami was uh was the mother's name ayanami believe so yeah okay and because i know like in the first movie they're saying something about if it's a boy it'll be shinji if it's a girl it'll be ray okay gotcha. right and like one of the guys from i think seal says something along the lines of um their lives like their story or their lives was like planned long before they were born um okay. and which is alluding to i think what happens at the end of this movie uh, it kind of gives you a feeling that what happens at the end of this movie is intentional um yeah so do we want to get into the ending 
Yeah, let's go for it. I'm nervous because it's like so many things. It's a fucking lot. <laughs> yeah, got this whole like human instrumentality project. Just like which we impact. still haven't totally clarified what human instrumentality project is, right? Within the movies. Yeah, no. Like we just but keep alluding to it. We also allude to like spooky. this spooky, <laughs> the key of Nebuchadnezzar or something like that. What? Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah. So, anyways, so the tenth angel shows up, starts attacking, and. They want to send out Unit 1, which is Shinji's Eva. But, okay, so one of the weird things about this ending is I feel like Nerve kind of drops the ball because Mari shows up in Unit 2 ready to fight the Eva, and, like, no one knows who Mari is. Like, Mari just showed up, and she hijacks an Eva. Like, this is something that can just happen at Nerve. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, that seemed a little strange to me. Um, yeah, the uh, inclusion of, like, the other countries, like they mentioned, like, yeah, like, Europe owns... Asuka, that happens in the TV show, yeah. It's like Europe owns Asuka's Ava and they decommission it for whatever reason. And she's like salty about that. Um, and then she gets into. It's because there's like some Vatican treaty or something yeah, like that. Yeah. Where it's <laughs> like uh, a country can only have three working Avas. Um, That's so funny that the Vatican. <laughs> yeah, well, it's like we got to make everything religious to try <laughs> yeah, and like instill it with meaning. Yeah, um, it's like. Uh, Misato's about the like her dad is saving her during the the event of the second impact, and he yeah. uh, obviously has to hand her a cross necklace as he's yeah, about to like sacrifice himself. <laughs> it's like a, there's so many fucking crosses in this movie. Like every yeah. explosion, Jesus, Jesus, yeah, like, <laughs> literally. Yeah. So when they, I think it's in the first fight. Yeah. There's the like. I love. I was gonna ask you about what do you think about the design of the angels in this movie? Because I think they're really fucking cool. Like the metal one that's like walking on the water and it's like freezing the water as it's walking on it. I thought that was so fucking. It's cool. got like a turkey skull for a head, like a bird skull it, head. It, it, it's like, it, and it's like <laughs> kind of resembles like a clock in the way that it, like it's like, like rotating. rotating. Yeah. It's like a it's like a fancy chandelier kind of angel, and then it's like yeah, crazy deadly. I think my uh, favorite angel is still just the prism thing. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, just because it's yeah. such a strange, I don't know, take. Um, it, it, something about that feels so menacing. You know, there's no, per it has no personality that you can, um, you know, project onto it. It's just an object that is destructive. Um, yeah, and it's like compared to vis visually compared to the other ones, it seems more like unstable. Like it's kind of just like yeah. moving. You don't really know what it's going to do. And then it's just incredibly powerful. When yeah. It starts like drilling into the earth. The rest of these have like limbs and stuff. And I don't know. I feel like it's easier to project a personality onto those things. But then in this one, but at the end of this one, we end up with a, uh, orb. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say like, I love the idea of the orb one because it, it makes it just feel more of like, these are like forces of nature that they're dealing with instead of just like aliens. It's more like, this is like a fucking comet that's just going to destroy yeah. earth and they have to like, just push it back. I just love like when th another great thing that we get in these movies is when the Avas are in action and things are sort of happening, like their armor gets kind of broken down and like there, it's just like a, a human hand or yeah. like we see, like I, I fucking love that when it's just like the hand is just like, it gets shredded. And it's just like a human hand holding back this like massive, ball of energy yeah it's like because it's like easy to it's easy to forget that these are organic entities yeah, and it's yeah. like it has like very human looking hands like it's also it, it like i don't understand totally the reason or like what's being said there but i know that it, with the whole lilith thing isn't like some of like the avas either came <laughs> like evas i think came from adam and humans came from lilith is that what's going on <clears throat> 
Are we I, met I, Adam? I, Is <laughs> Adam on the moon? I, I think so. Like, I, oh. like, I really fucking don't know. Like, I mean, it would make sense if the Evas came from Adam because of like Adam's rib turning into Eve. Um, here let me let me mention this too let's <laughs> zoom out for a bit one thing that's just fucking fascinating about like being a fan of evangelion and then watching these movies is like it's rebuilding like memories kind of sort of like, yeah oh, like, i'm like I rediscovering being... my own understanding of what's going yeah, on yeah it's like a really difficult like puzzle because like oh yeah like my mind wants to construct this memory of like oh yeah i watched the series and like i know these plot points but then these movies are like we have similar setups identical sort of frames in a lot of situations but then things just take completely different turns and directions and it's just like there's not a lot of other pieces of media like like this where you like it's like the same story overall but everything is different yeah and also i feel like with watching this this movie series i am i'm rediscovering what i knew but also discovering what i didn't know which is like when i watched the series for the first time as like a teenager i think i had it on the tv and then I had a laptop where I was playing Super Metroid. <laughs> and like, so I was not picking up all the details. Yeah, um, yeah. And so now watching this movie, I'm like struggling to put the puzzle pieces together. Um, as yeah. you, as our, all our <laughs> listeners can tell. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think, yeah, it's really fucking fascinating. Because, yeah, I watched the end of, end of Evangelion movie. I was literally, I drove down to los angeles because max our friend max was giving me his guitar so i drove mm-hmm. down to los angeles got this guitar so i'm inside of a hotel room in glendale with a 30 rack of uh, <laughs> coors light nice. playing like a new fender while like <laughs> like i'm watching the end of evangelion and like barely paying attention to it i'm like yeah i'm just gonna <laughs> practice these scales and like just not pay attention to this movie so yeah. Yeah, i've seen the movie but i could not tell you anything besides oh yeah there's Asuka, she fights ten angels and she loses. That's I can't even it. tell you. I saw it in theaters. I can't tell you that happened. All I yeah. remember from End of Evangelion is uh, him jerking off <laughs> over <Yes>. Asuka's <laughs> body in the hospital. I'm glad and that gets cut out. <laughs> that was. I thought that was awesome. Like, because like when I saw that in the theaters, I was like, "Holy shit! Like, where are we? Like, what? What? What is happening?" Um, because I I waited like over a decade to see that movie. Um, because I was fine with how the show ended, but I, yeah, I, I yeah. know that it was made as a response to fans not being happy. So when I saw that and I was like, wait a minute, fans weren't happy. And then they gave them <laughs> this, like, that's fucking awesome. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. and then they fucking, every fucking thing that happens in that movie, which is terrible. Like, uh, I don't know. It just felt like an amazing response to angry fans. Yeah. Th- it's great. <laughs> There's like the credit scene that shows up like the credits that show up halfway through the movie yeah and, like, the, like, and, fake like out. footage of like fans in a theater yeah stuff. it's like such a badass just like thing it's just like because it also you. feels like the the i'm so fucked up like looking at the cum in his hand thing is like uh it almost feels like it's kind of pointing at the, the finger at the audience that, that has like sexualized these teenage characters because we're yeah. seeing it from first person perspective he's looking at what he's done and and reflecting on how fucked up he is um that's the audience looking at the hand um, yeah yeah i don't know I like yeah that i think shit. that's a, a really <laughs> honestly if we're just talking about the character shinji i think that's a really pivotal moment just for just who that character is and just the mythos of that character and just kind of idiot shinji sort of just like you know being hesitant and being sort of nervous and just being you know, yeah, unsure of himself given over to transgression um, yeah yeah 
But anyways, back to the ending of this movie. Yeah. <laughs> the third impact happens. Um, in this movie, we get a flashback. We see the second impact. And that, yeah. So we get more clarification that it's uh, four angels arriving and causing this cataclysmic event um, that ends, results in, like, oceans being inhabitable and, like, all this sort of stuff yeah, happening. Yeah, which, why are the angels, like, taking turns? Why are they going one at a time? Why don't they just all come in together? It seems like they would get the job done a lot easier. Loading times. <laughs> Got to wait in the queue. But, Can't um, just rush Earth all at once. But yeah, uh, the tenth angel attacks. Ray jump. Uh, Mari jumps in. She fucking. Uh, I don't know. She does something where she kind of allows the Ava to take control or something. Um, she almost loses her sanity. Ray shows up with a missile holding a yeah. missile which is pretty cool yeah. uh, and then like mari is like eating through like the um what do they call it the t the at field at field <laughs> and then uh yeah what is, what ha like ray ends up merging with the angel or something what happens here yeah let me just read this out loud <laughs> and then we'll understand what the fuck is going okay so i have an idea you read the the like the the last paragraph and i'll put over the epic evangelion music i'm gonna read <laughs> i'm gonna read the last two paragraphs okay yeah read those last two and i'll put over the evangelion <clears throat> like epic thumping music the guitar solo shit <laughs> shinji heads out of the city but the 10th angel attacks so he flees to an emergency shelter gendo fails to activate unit one without shinji so mari hijacks unit two and heads out to fight the angel alone she removes Unit 2's limiters and launches an all-out attack, but the Angel severely damages Unit 2. Ray joins the fight with the damaged Unit 0 and charges at the Angel with a missile. The missile detonates, but fails to destroy the Angel. The Angel consumes Unit 0 and integrates with its own body, allowing it to bypass Nerve's defenses. Upon seeing Ray consumed along with Unit 0, Shinji rushes to Gendo and asks to pilot Unit 01 again. Shinji fends off the Angel, but before he can defeat it, Unit 1 runs out of power and shuts down. Unit 0 reactivates in berserk mode in response to Shinji's rage at the loss of Rei. It easily takes down the Angel, and Shinji uses the Ava to reach inside the Angel's core to save Rei. Unit 1 then starts transcending its physical boundaries to grant Shinji's wish. That was a weird thing that happened. At the moment, at the moment Shinji retrieves Rei, Unit 1 pulls Unit 0's core out of the Angel. The angel explodes and its remains, along with Unit Zero's core, are absorbed into Unit 1, fusing them all into one beam. Unit 1 then sprouts giant wings of light, and Masato, who has been watching the battle, sees that they are identical to the ones she saw during Second Impact. Ritsuko realizes that the Eva has become a divine being, triggering Third Impact, and declares this to be the end of the world. That's a lot of shit that happens, and you only <laughs> understand, you only, like, all of this stuff happens you see it happen but you only understand what the fuck you're looking at because other characters like Masato and Ritsuko are kind of like narrating what's going on yes exactly yeah it would be so fucking convoluted if there weren't <laughs> yeah. like those it like, is like so the, hard to grasp. <laughs> the characters inside nerve being there like, like oh yeah they're breaking through the AT field oh yeah like now they're merging it's like oh yeah. thank she's God. granting <laughs> his wish it's like when did wishes become it when did granting wishes become a thing like this is a very new development uh, I love it. Yeah. It's oh, it's just... becoming a divine being. Shh, of course, of course. <laughs> like, yeah. How then, are we supposed to react to that? Then Shinji's boyfriend shows up at the end. He's like, "Okay, now I'm really gonna yeah. protect you. <laughs> I'm gonna show him what real fucking <laughs> looks like." Yeah, we're gonna get. Down. Yeah, it's great. 
yeah it's it's a lot to sort of process so <laughs> and it's fucking yeah. <laughs> awesome to watch like visually it's beautiful when uh shinji pulls the core out and it like turns into ray like a giant ray in the sky yeah, yeah. <laughs> with an ava like yeah like I, said, awesome. I love how like psychedelic shit gets we're yeah. just like just a representation of bodies it's like we have just... completely transcended our understanding of how this narrative should operate <laughs> yeah. uh, and he's transcended he's become a divine being like heavy yeah, shit has just, happened <laughs> yeah and the animation is just really gorgeous we get like um ray and shinji are kind of like these ref- refractive kind of like they like or like beams of light inside of this like black abyss and he's kind of just like reaching for her and mm-hmm. it, like I, I feel like i've had dreams like that where i'm like reaching for something and they can't like quite get it uh, uh reminds me of the idea from matrix resurrections it's like it's a very powerful energy there with him reaching for yeah. rain yeah then like his like the skin on his face gets ripped off and he's just like yeah fucking a <laughs> yeah it's just it's just really fucking gnarly and yeah i, I don't know it's really cool despite some of the things we mentioned I th- there's so many cool dope things in this movie that i love but yeah it's, it's... is there anything live action that comes close to conveying like i don't even know what word how grand this is how awesome yeah. this is yeah that's a good way to put it i'm not sure yeah i think that's another reason why i sort of falling in love with animation again because animation is able to sort of go these extra lengths and just really do fantastic things with just lighting and just like just the framing of everything and so yeah i guess 2001 right yeah like that is the only thing i can think of where it's like we where it's like one of those movies where it's like i don't really know what the fuck just happened but like it was big like there's like something incredibly philosophical being expressed and explored here um and it's pure cinema um this is like watered down because we have like Masato and Ritsuko narrating the whole thing. Um, but even still, it's so fucking awesome. And I mean yeah. that in like the truest sense of the word, uh, that it's, it's like barely watered down by the narration. Um, yeah. Like I say, I was watching this like on my laptop and I was like, I need to up the visuals on this. Cause <laughs> yeah. like, like I just like need to do this justice. Cause it is like, it's a, just a really grand experience and yeah, totally true. Yeah. Any other parting thoughts? Let me on... see. Yeah, let me look at my notes here. Um, Oh, just that it would be fucking horrible to live in Tokyo three. <laughs> why does yeah. any, why does anyone live there? <laughs> yeah, it's pretty rough. I, I really love the uh, aquarium sequence. I like yeah. the, like them getting kind of like sprayed down and disinfected and then going into like this thing. There's a note when Tokyo three is waking up, there's a shot of like an airplane kind of taking off and it's, and I wrote in my notes, it's turning in a way that's reminds me of like a whale swimming underwater. Mm. And then a few scenes later we go to the aquarium. There's like a, a similar kind of thing that happens where you see some whales swimming around. Yeah. yeah it's good fun. Pen pen hanging out with the penguins. Yeah. That's nice. <laughs> yeah. Um, like, oh yeah. And post credit scene, the moon moon boy comes down, pierces unit one with the spear, the spear of Longinus or whatever. They haven't said what the spear is, but I, I it's that thing. You know it. <laughs> uh, so he stops third impact. So this whole finale leading up to the end of the world, post credits get stopped. Yeah. Um, this character names Cobblebrew. Yeah, Kawaru or something. Kawaru, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it is a really weird thing to sort of, like, have... Yeah, like, so for 
Evangelion to have like yeah like the impacts of these catastrophic events to have one in this movie and then it sort of just gets like paused by yeah, this other character like, y'all forgot about Kawaru <laughs> yeah it reminds me of that thing in anime that is really typical of like when characters are sort of going through transformations and getting stronger there's always a, like there's always a bigger fish in anime yeah. where it's like oh you think you're at the top power level here's a, a younger skinnier kid he's somehow <laughs> even stronger than all of you guys yeah well we know how He's strong. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that's it for Evangelion 2.0. Okay. Uh, what have you been watching this week? Uh, I'm watching a few things. Uh, make sure I get through them kind of quickly. Um, so, uh, first off, I just wanted to give a shout out to Peacemaker. Pleasantly surprised okay. by that. Have you been watching it at all? Uh, no, Kevin was telling me about it. He says he loves it, though. Yeah, I was, like, really skeptical about it uh, going in. Like, I'm not really interested in Peacemaker. And, like, like, I like the DC stuff, but I wasn't, like, enamored with it enough to sort of just dive back into it. But I was bored one night, and I put on the first episode. And, excuse me, man, it is just such a fun show. Mm -hmm. Like, it has, like, a dance sequence as the opening I've the seen opening the opening, credits. yeah. Yeah, <laughs> dance sequence is really fun. Robert Patrick is a Peacemaker's dad, and he's mm -hmm. they're sort of setting him up to be kind of like a white nationalist kind of okay. villain character that I think like is really like really well casted and just really great um yeah I was just really surprised by that and so there's a new episode tonight looking forward to watching that um and there's a new show on Adult Swim called Smiling Friends that I'm a big fan of it's by this guy uh named Michael Cusack are you familiar with this person no this dude he's from Australia and he got a little bit of notoriety a few years ago because he did like his own Rick and Morty like cartoon he did like a 30 minute uh Rick and Morty kind of offshoot thing called the Bushworld Adventures where it's just like you just it's Rick and Morty but it's in Australia and this sort of just like a, a completely bonkers batshit version where it's just like it's just a completely different animation style completely different type of humor and it's just it works and it's just like a, a completely different type of thing and then he got a show called yolo crystal fantasy on adult swim that's also really funny where it's just like two party girls that just like love to get fucked up and it's like they always end up in like a somewhat mythical kind of Dungeons and Dragons type of adventures where it's like, oh, you want to get into this party? Well, you have to like follow this like <laughs> this troll guy like around town or something. It's just like a really fun kind of show, and like I really like these new wave of animated shows on Adult Swim where I feel like he's kind of at the forefront of that. Where it's like it's from Australia, like we sort of are past. Look, Rick and Morty is still a thing, but like we're sort of starting a new kind of yeah generation of the next of thing. Yeah, and it feels like th this guy is kind of like at the forefront of that, and it's it's really fun. Basically, the premise is like it's like a uh, an office, and it's like <laughs> these two characters, uh, Charlie and Pim, and it's like they, like basically it's like if someone is feeling sad, like they just get sent there to go cheer them up. And so the first episode is like this one guy, he, he's just like a really sad dude. And the entire time he just has like a giant magnum for like just like to his forehead the entire episode. Oh. And they're just like, hey, cheer up, guy. Like, we're gonna like take you to like the store or something. And he's just like just walking around with like a magnum to his head. And so it's just, it's really fucking dark, really, really like well animated. It's just like a lot of fun. So let's say check out that show. Um, and then for 
movies this week i saw the last duel which okay. i didn't think i would enjoy but i walked away really enjoying that movie um so trigger warning uh, the last duel uh deals with issues of sexual assault and rape so if you are not interested in hearing about that then you could definitely fast forward through this part of the conversation but yeah i was really skeptical about watching this movie just because of like it like i you know, it's a heavy topic. Mm-hmm. It's a, a it's an intense drama. Um, Ridley Scott is in a weird part of his career where it's like, I don't know, it's kind of, I don't know. He's not doing. He's getting old. Super. <laughs> yeah, he's, yeah, it's in there. But like, if you're gonna, I don't know. I think he's a good choice for someone to deal with such a, like a heavy like topic. And like, I don't know. The movie itself is kind of like Rashomon set in like medieval France. Yeah. It is. It is heavy. Ben Affleck did, has a really nice performance in it as like a, a lecherous, like woman's like womanizing kind of king, and it's a just like just the right amount of uh, like comedy and levity for just the overall just extreme melodrama that this movie is. But basically, it's like this assault kind of takes place, and there's like a, a Rashomon kind of um, exploration of three different characters. Uh, perspectives on this particular event and then it concludes with basically the last like public official like duel in france where it's like this is like like a totally like uh legally okay duel like where it's like he's, yeah yeah he's, he's challenging him and it's like it's totally fine like, yeah. in the in the face of the court or whatever but yeah totally like, a legit duel you know yeah totally um, fine yeah, the point I'm trying to make is uh, is the the fight at the end is not like the best choreographed fight. It's not mm-hmm. the most stylistic fight I've ever seen. But holy shit, I don't think I've ever rooted for a character to win a fight as hard as I did mm. at the end of that movie. Uh, it's just I think just the direction and just like everything leading up to the end of that is just like so masterfully done that it's just like I was just like clenching my fist rooting for but like hmm. like rooting for matt damon during that fight not gonna spoil what happens but yeah it's just it's just so well done to sort of have it end at this focal point where it's it's just like uh like a just a, a very gritty duel and it like yeah it's just it gets really brutal towards the end and yeah i was really surprised by that and another thing i was surprised by was the new screen movie um had a great time watching that i wasn't anticipating liking it but i was I'm, i want to mention it because i feel like it does something very very similar to what the matrix is doing mm-hmm. the screen movies are all meta horror movies that's what they are they're making commentaries on how horror movies operate but this one is taking in effect is taking account the whole uh, reboot prequel thing that's really popular in movies and the matrix is like the matrix resurrections is like aware of that and it's trying to do that we discussed like oh yeah it's like it's yeah. just a clever way to sort of make a matrix movie by having it be sort of uh kind of not super fun for keanu kind of convoluted or whatever and that happens here in scream where it's very aware of the reboots and prequels and it's like it's very hypercritical on those things and it's make it's like commentating on uh uh, like oh yeah i like elevated horror and the villains oh, like, well, elevated horror is, <laughs> elevated horror is fucking boring we just want to see people get killed and it's kind of it, it, i don't know I, it, it works really all right now well. i want to uh, see this <laughs> yeah like i was like not interested at all but i was like fuck it it's five dollar tuesdays i'll go check it out nice. and yeah i like it it's a lot of fun i think it does a really good job yeah what have you been watching this week um so this week yeah it's a long week um I finished Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart on the PS5. Um, solid game. I mean, it's just kind of a classic Ratchet and Clank game. I didn't feel like it really did anything all that new. Um, if you play it, I recommend playing on hard because then you'll at least 
feel some of the pressure of the combat because the combat can be really fun it kind of reminded me of like doom 2016 or something like that where it's just like you have to constantly be moving otherwise you're gonna get fucked up uh you gotta (laughs) like really maximize your arsenal um yeah and but it doesn't quite feel like as fair as doom 2016 where it's like if you fuck up in doom 2016 it's because you did something wrong you weren't thinking strategically enough uh whereas with this it's like eh, maybe you just got to build your character a little more like that that was kind of a hard encounter um so yeah i finished that i watched both seasons of the wet hot american summer show that they that they did for (laughs) netflix so they did the first day of camp and then they did 10 years later um yes yeah (laughs) i i i'd seen them when they came out and so like revisiting it there was so much i did not remember from when i'd watched it years ago um i think that i i have a feeling that the first season the first day of camp is better than the movie it it it, i don't know man there's some really good jokes in there it's kind of absurd how many people show up so colson yeah yeah colson my brother-in-law he came downstairs and we were watching it together and he's never seen wet hot american summer so he was the whole time he was just like wait a minute paul rudd's in this wait a minute bradley cooper's in this it's like is that yeah, is, is that john ham like john benjamin like it just kept going uh yeah. and so yeah the cast is insane um and it, i just want to mention uh in my childhood i remember seeing wet hot american summer it was like i think me and my cousin watched that movie and it like like short-circuited our mouths like what is this like it's just like not prepared for it at all like yeah just like both of us just like dying at laughter of the the kid doing the the talent show thing and just like (laughs) the wind blowing through just like it's just so absurd like just just that movie is just such a fucking gem like i just love that it exists that movie came around at like a pretty important time in my life where it's like i think i was like 13 or something like that i was in the eighth grade however how whatever age you are when you're in the eighth grade um i saw this was like when i first started getting into movies really um i saw that i saw gummo i saw dead alive i saw buffalo 66 (laughs) and reservoir dogs like all all within like a pretty short amount of time so i was like what even is movies (laughs) like what can movies be um yeah that's like yeah, that yeah, my dad showing me pulp fiction in high school I'm just like yeah this is this is a, a turning is the, the chapter has been turned yeah like yeah gummo dead alive and what had american summer were like the three where i was like whoa like that changed me um yeah but yeah i watched that and i watched yeah the uh 10, 10 years later um which i feel like isn't quite as good but they're still fucking great watches still hold up really well um I started the Guardians of the Galaxy game that just came out. Oh, how is it? Um, it's awesome. I, I like it more than Rift Apart, actually. Um, it's, yeah, it's, like, absolutely surpassed my expectations. Um, the combat's really fun. It kind of reminds me of, like, Mass Effect or even the Final Fantasy VII remake, where um, it reminds me of Mass Effect in the sense that, like, you're controlling one character, you're mostly shooting, and you're yeah. commanding your, your teammates. Um, and it kind of reminds me of final fantasy 7 where it's like you're you're really just juggling cooldown times for different uh you're the different players and for yourself um so yeah the combat's really fun but the combat segments they feel actually like spaced out more than you would expect um this this game really puts narrative first and it's actually like a pretty well written narrative like the characters are well written the story's well written um, I actually found myself laughing out loud, which I don't often do with, you know, quote unquote comedic games. Um, 
Yeah, and and one of the like one of the special things about it is that the characters are always chatting together. So you're only playing as Peter Quill, and you're just like navigating the area, but you hear the other characters like having conversations with each other the whole time. So it's almost like you're you're like listening to a podcast or something. Um, That's cool. It makes yeah, it makes the whole game feel like way more alive and they're way more responsive to the stuff you do if you're just like wasting time running around looking for collectibles they'll be like what are you doing you're wasting time you're going the wrong way <laughs> like See, that's one thing i absolutely fucking detest no, in video it, games it, is when you're when the npc is like oh where are you looking for it's like i'm playing a game like i'm like yeah. let me look in the corner but it let works me like... <laughs> because peter is responding to them and he's saying like i'm See, just yeah, gonna look cool. <laughs> like i think there might be something down here and then they're making fun of you um, yeah that shit would happen in god of war i'm like god damn it atreus <laughs> if you don't shut the hell up like, yeah, like... yeah it, i think it i think here it works really well and there's a really yeah. cool mechanic where it's called you just call a huddle where if you're having a hard time in a fight, you just like <laughs> click the shoulder buttons and then you call a huddle. You get you go to a first person perspective. You see your team like running up to the camera and they're all just like hovering in front of the camera, like complaining to you about like what's going wrong in the fight. And then you have two dialogue options and you have to pick the one that like best addresses like whatever it is that they're saying. And then yeah, you, you pump them up. You start playing rock music, 80s rock music on your cassette player. And then now you're yeah. just like everyone's got like a, a damage boost and you're just running around blasting fools to like i don't know everybody wants to rule the world they're like uh i, I don't know um kickstart my heart by motley Crue or some shit like that yeah. the de- like the soundtrack is like a, a really good selling point but also the decision making aspect was uh, when i was watching the trailer i was like that's a really brilliant idea because if you can't switch between the characters at least be able to be yeah. like, okay like like i'm like there's one that's like oh you can support like you can like support rocket or like ignore him or something yeah. kind of like that is like one of the things you can like support somebody or like kind of shoot their idea down yeah and so it's yeah it's like a nice little like role-playing element um yeah. i don't know how much it changes the narrative but it's at least like you know you're you feel like you're in actually engaging with the characters um in a way that is more than just pulling a trigger <laughs> and that's always yeah. fun um and so the last thing i watched was I watched the whole first season of Search Party. Um, oh, okay. Cool, so yeah, cool. Search Party just ended, and so there's been a lot of buzz about it lately. Um, I had never really given it a, a watch before, um, and we started it up because I was looking for a new like half-hour show to get into because I can't really commit to watching a full hour of a TV show anymore. Um, Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> and so yeah, Search Party episodes are like 25 minutes. It's great. Um, and what I didn't realize is that Mike Showalter is actually one of the producers of it. So oh, cool. going from what had American summer to this, it's like, you can see Perfect. a little bit of that DNA carrying over. Um, but yeah, I don't know if you can hear that. I think like someone's drumming upstairs or something, <laughs> but, no, it's fine. but, uh, yeah, 20 minute shows. Yeah. Search it's hard to be search party. It's, it's great. Like the comedy's great. Like all of the characters are horrible people. Um, <laughs> and it's like super it's actually like narratively very engaging uh the mystery do you know anything about it no i just know it has uh the actress that plays maybe from Arrested yeah Girl. so like the story is that like someone she went to school with her alia shakar yeah alia, alia shakar <laughs> uh some yeah. someone she went to school with has gone missing there's like signs up on like uh signposts that say like oh she's missing you know reward Please let us know if you have help, that sort of thing. 
And so she tells her friends this, like, hey, do you remember this girl, like Chantel? Like, she's gone missing. And they're like, oh, I kind of remember. And she becomes obsessed with, like, the case and, like, trying to find this person. And so she starts to kind of, like, go down this rabbit hole. And as she goes deeper down the rabbit hole, she starts to, like, suck in the people around her. Um, and it's really good. Yeah. Awesome. And it ended in, like, the first season ended in a way that was... This show feels like it develops very quickly. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's it's pretty good. How many seasons are there? Uh, five. The fifth season. Okay. Yeah, just ended. Fifth and final season. But yeah, just as a another endorsement for twenty minute comedies, like uh, I've been catching Seinfeld on TV just because I like, put it on. So I, I put it on while I'm working sometimes. And today I caught the episode, the uh, the, the Frogger episode. Oh yeah, great fucking incredible like it's just like <laughs> so like just like just a massive setup just for a visual yeah line it's for so the good it's just, too like that is like, immediately the thing i think of when i think of that episode yeah i was just like this is just like just so delightful <laughs> just <Yeah>. like <laughs> yeah it's just like if anyone listening to this has never watched seinfeld or if you're skeptical about seinfeld watch the frogger episode it is just a lot of fun i'm always on the hunt for the what is the episode of seinfeld to show someone who's never seen seinfeld like yeah. i don't know what the best answer is i like that i like the episode where elaine is dating a communist I think that's a pretty good one. Because yeah, that, yeah. I caught like, that one Kramer's too. working at the, uh, he's a mall Santa or whatever. And he's yeah. like <laughs> t- uh, spouting propaganda to children. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's a great one. Yeah, honestly, yeah. It's it's such a weird show. I'm like, my relationship to TV shows is changing so much because like, this is such a big part of, it has been such a big part of my life and I've binge watched so many shows. I'm like, okay, be more careful about what I dedicate my time to. And so like, even like episodes like that are really great because they sort of, there is like a little bit of a joy in like just the, the visual kind of gag and how it all plays out but sometimes it gets a little frustrating because uh george's experiences can just be straight up faustian and just the ways that like just everything goes wrong and he's yeah. always just <laughs> like losing at every single corner so sometimes that can be a little bit of a drag i was watching third rock from the sun the other day and i was like oh yeah this is great like it's just aliens being weird french stewart young joseph gordon levitt uh john lithgow yeah. is being goofy yeah i used Jane to Curtin. love that show when i was a kid yeah like i was watching i was like this is like i was like this is like feeding my soul right now because mm-hmm. it's just like it's really silly like a really low stakes like it's not like you know super existential and i was like this is really great so it's happy to sort of catch a little bit of that all right that's all for all me. right have you thought about what we're watching next week my uh friend? so to keep to stay in the world of anime uh, I gotta watch one of my boys Satoshi Khan's movies. We're gonna do Perfect Blue. Hell yeah! <laughs> I haven't I'm seen excited. it in a long time, and it's something I've wanted to show Emily, but uh, I haven't really had it. the taken the advantage to. So, yeah, let's do it. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Good choice. Cool. All right. If you'd like to contact us, you can email us vaguezonepod at gmail.com. You can tweet at us at vaguezone on the Twitter. If you have concerns about the new Batman being three hours long Why? and you want to join us in the conversation, <laughs> tweet at us. Let us know. Join us in the in the flames. Let us know. But yeah, this has been episode 69. Yeah, dude. Episode 69 of Vague Zone. Mm-hmm. I'm Thomas. And I'm Daniel. We'll catch you on the next one. All right. See ya.